0: Clay, I know you're a, you're a huge fan of Harry Houdini, right? I am, I am. You know, what my favorite part about Houdini is besides the uh, what's that? Well, besides, besides the, the, the outrageous uh, escapes and the death-defying uh, stunts and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the fact that he believed in, in himself so strongly, he let a professional boxer kill him at the end of his, his life. Yeah. <laughs> his, well, his,
1: to be fair, he wasn't ready.
0: <laughs> That's the is that his widow story or something like that or is that something he That uh, is
1: that is supposedly the story is that he um he wasn't ready he was, Yeah, he was famous for saying that he could take a punch, he could take anybody's punch and come away phase yeah And you know, if cuz he was he he was this little slight looking dude, but if you've ever seen that picture of him where he's in chains wearing nothing but the chains, the dude was dude was ripped. He yep. was in unbelievable shape. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you you Set yourself up. You ready your your uh, ab, ab muscles. You can take a pretty hard punch, but uh, he was not ready, and the guy hit him before he had a chance to prepare. And uh, it's actually kind of a misnomer that that's what caused his death. That was the uh, uh, assumed link, but if I remember correctly, that is not actually the thing that like burst his appendix. I think it was actually they were. It was just a, a horrible coincidence that they happened to to overlap on that thing.
0: If I remember. Wait. Do, do you mean that he was sick with appendicitis and then he got punched, or the punch was totally separate from? Like, he, if he had not been sick with appendicitis, and the the punch might not have killed him. Or is it just that they're totally disconnected from each other? I
1: think I think they're actually totally disconnected, but I could be completely wrong. It's been a long time since I've I've done any reading about that. So,
0: just don't let professional. Boxers punch you in the stomach. I think is
1: really the, the main takeaway. I, but, you I can actually avoid don't it. know if he was a professional boxer. I he, think he was like a like a, a kid from the uh, university. I think university he, I think he was a student, a student coll- collegiate boxer. So oh, okay. he's, he's oh, a yeah, professional right, yeah. box. Like he he's a boxer, yeah. I
0: guess. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I mean, also the thing that killed him wasn't the fact that he got punched in the side. It was that <laughs> even after he got appendicitis yeah. or whatever it was, he didn't go to hospital. He hostel. continued. Yeah, he continued working for like a month or something. <laughs> <laughs> as he's like sweating, shaking to death while he's trying to get these handcuffs off on stage as like a fifty-five-year-old man. You so have- it wasn't it wasn't just the punch. It's like how they say it's not the it's not the gun that kills you; it's the bullets.
0: Sure, <clears throat> guns don't kill people. People people kill people. Clay. Exactly. Um, do you still have your appendix? I do. Yes. Yeah, I do too. My wife doesn't. She's the only person I know who doesn't have an appendix. It seems like it's an old time thing to get your appendix an, taken an,
1: out. What an elite asshole!
0: I know. Really? Do you have your tonsils?
1: yes yeah yeah me too yeah don't have my wisdom teeth i have some of them mm-hmm. they took out i two. think i got yeah i mean we do, do you want to go get your medical history and we can just <laughs> well compare let's compare for, a, let's for pull 45 a I'll, I'll
0: load it up on the obs screen here and people can look at it that's the that patient gateway is just so damn handy let's uh let's move into our discussion of shadows of Pajem, which is the next episode of star trek enterprise we're going to be talking about so we'll take a break, we'll play a clip, and then we'll come back and we'll break it down. I just spoke with Admiral Forrest. There's no easy way to say this. The Andorians destroyed the sanctuary at Pajem. Were there any
1: survivors? Fortunately, the monks. And the intelligence operatives were given advance warning. They're fine. Was there time to remove any of the relics? I don't know.
0: All right, so Shadows of Pajam, which always makes me think of pajamas, but it's the 15th episode of the first season of Star Trek Enterprise, aired on February 6, 2002. Teleplay goes to Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. Story goes to Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, directed by Mike Vehar. The in-universe date is October 2151. In this episode, Archer and T'Pol are taken prisoner during an away mission on a war-torn planet in the Corridan system. And here we are to talk about It's the continuation of Broken Bow. Like, I guess, uh, obviously, it's the continuation of Andorian incident, but I guess it would also be considered a continuation of Broken Bow, (coughs) which kind of ties into all that stuff. And um, Mm -hmm. I guess I'll lead this off to you, Clay, with... This episode actually left me fairly conflicted about the direction of the series because Mm. I don't know if Enterprise should more strongly embrace serialization. However, at the same time, I think that their serialization, if they were continuing it in the way that they do it in these episodes, including this one, Shadows of Pajem, is not very good. So I don't know if they're ready to do it yet. But at the same time having this continuing storyline actually made me feel like, oh, the series could actually do something with this. Like, Mm -hmm, there's potential mm -hmm. here that they're not really tapping into. But at the same time, this is a far cry from DS9's serialized storytelling. Um, It's really clumsy in a lot of ways, and I think that we'll break down a lot of them. But I don't know what you thought about that.
1: Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I I thought some of it was kind of – like, I think the most – the the serialized thread that they've been doing through, even the episodic episodes that I've really enjoyed, is this um, conflict and di- semi distrust of the Vulcans. Uh, that stuff has been really fun because it's it's been treating that those characters or that species rather in a way that they've never really been portrayed before. Yeah, counter um, to our
0: complaints about the Klingons in the last episode, who are the right, same as they right. always are, the Vulcans are different.
1: Right, but um. I feel like this. Yeah, this was kind of a pretty weak way to continue those threads going on. Like I, this, I I liked the. I actually really liked the idea of going to this planet that ends up being semi-occupied, or at least uh, uh, the ruling government is funded by your all your allies. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, it's interesting how
0: backgrounded that conflict is really it's, yeah, it's like not it's yeah. not the point of anything really except for the fact that it sets up you getting captured by them but the the, yeah. the crew themselves are not impacted by this civil war that's brewing it on this planet
1: yeah they mention it like twice and then it there, it just turns into an excuse to have to Paul fall boob first into Archer's face
0: <laughs> we're gonna get to the we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get to that scene um, but before we do I don't mean to cut you off, but Mm. i I have a I have a real problem with the way the Vulcans are portrayed in this series. I don't think this is very good um, because, all right,
1: this is. I think they're laying it on a little thick. I I I like the idea, but they are after this episode. They are borderline villains. I think which is.
0: Yeah, no, I, I not, think it's even more like fundamental to their portrayal here. Like this is this is a prequel series, right? So if you're watching this, you already likely have a sense of what the Vulcans are supposed to be, right? So sure. when you're operating that space, I think if you're going to change them fairly drastically, which I, I would argue that Enterprise is changing them fairly drastically you kind of have to set up the reason why they're being changed this way. Like there has to be Mm -hmm. lines of dialogue that explains that a hundred years ago, the Vulcans actually had this kind of a mentality and, and things like that. Because the problem that I have is that all the Vulcans seem way too emotional. They're way too emotional. All of them are like either, either I can't tell if the actors portraying them are not doing a good job and they're making them seem too emotional or I run into this weird space where there's that scene in this one where uh Trip and Reed are talking to the other Vulcan captain who comes on the Enterprise to tell them of their mission and mm-hmm. that guy seems Vulcanish but at the same time all the human characters are yelling at the Vulcans going like you knew this was going to be a setup, and you're just pissed off because you can't do this and you're going to backfire. And you're a psycho sexual sadist who are into this stuff. And it's like, where's all this coming from? Like, why do the humans think that the, the Vulcans are so easily swayed by emotion in all of these some fireworks? That's that. Why, why the Vulcans are so easily swayed by emotions? It doesn't make any sense
1: to me because. Well, you get into an argument and you say things you don't mean, and
0: it all comes back you start, to haunt you, aren't you?
1: Yeah, you start taking little kernels of things you're annoyed with and blowing them out of proportion.
0: <laughs> I think the Vulcans are not good in this series. If they're going to yeah. do this to them, I need a reason as to why they're acting so strangely in this. And am I wrong? You, are the Vulcans not being emotional? Um That opening guy, so, when he's talking to the Admiral in that opening scene, he's basically pounding his fist on the table, going that's like true. this is yeah. unacceptable to do. It's like this is the Vulcan right. shouldn't care.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's a matter of the Vulcans having more screen time than they have traditionally cuz I I feel like with a char- with a character who's or a set of characters whose thing is uh, we don't really have emotion, I feel like you're gonna that that's a lot easier to wrangle when you are on screen less. Right. It, it's harder sense.
0: it's harder for actors to portray <clears throat> them constantly without emotion. And I'll grant them that, but The script is drawing attention to it by having all the human characters like Trip and Archer constantly accuse the Vulcans of being emotional in their reactions to things. But I'm not getting the sense that that those characters are wrong about that. I think the show thinks that the Vulcans are acting irrationally, and I don't know why they would be doing that in this case. You know what I mean? So you're fundamentally... Because I I think there's drama just in the fact that if the humans are overly emotional and they are tripping over themselves to try to deal with the Vulcans and the Vulcans are just acting completely cold about it. I don't think you need to play up the Vulcans as this like vindictive species that's always out to sort of underhandedly deal with the humans for some reason. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it seems on you can focus the drama on the human's desire to break free. And that's one thing. And I think that's a better way to approach it than to have the Vulcans being these like shadow puppet masters who are pulling the strings and doing all this stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably more, it's probably more pro- appropriate, but less interesting. Yeah, I'd agree, or engaging to treat them as uh, less as like less the uh, uh, possibly uh, malicious controller puppet master, and more like the uh, just aloof parent. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of, I can kind of understand, but yeah, at the same time, you'd think that they would not, uh, it's, it is interesting to have most of the arguments with any Vulcan character on this show devolve into the human saying it's because you're actually full of shit you actually have tons of feelings that you don't want to say, express them or something.
0: Every argument ends that <clears throat> way. It, it, does, yeah. it just doesn't it make any like sense. It seems like it does.
1: Yeah. Oh, but this one, I don't blame them because I mean, they probably made great beer at that monastery. So. <laughs>
0: you can't have a bunch of monks together without some beer brewing going on it's it's just unacceptable in any any galaxy any side of the solar system or whatever
1: when when archer tells to paul what's going on she's like did they destroy the beer
0: (laughs) (laughs) to paul you mentioned to paul but i think to paul suffers from what i'm talking about a lot in, in these examples like this this episode is built around a plot of T'Pol not wanting to go back to Vulcan or being happy to be with the humans and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. I think it's just it's just such a it's a weak plot even down to the ending where she jumps and takes a bullet and it feels like it feels like it technically makes sense but it doesn't emotionally make sense that that's why she gets to stay because she saved this other Vulcan captain like. I just think it all ties into the fact that if they're not going to approach the Vulcans and expose what this show thinks the Vulcans are or what they're up to, if they are different, I'm fine with them being different. But you have to kind of lay the case as to why they're different in this uh, mm-hmm. setup. I think T'Pol is suffering as a character because I don't know, I don't know how big of a change she's undergoing because. She doesn't seem more human because all the Vulcans seem human at this point. So is there supposed to be a split between her and the Vulcans or is it, you know, is it she's just acting like the rest of them? Is that supposed to be intentional? I can't tell.
1: Yeah. Um, it seems like that they're trying to go for Tapal being the hard-ass Vulcan who is won over to the more human side of things. Um, but she actually seems more... Vulcan than a lot of the people that they other Vulcans they deal with yeah so it's yeah it's tough it's tough to, to to tell what exactly they're trying to do and I I thought having her jump and save that dude's life and and take a, a shot for him I don't really know it's just that just seemed really weird to me yeah like that, it, that, it seems that, random it's very random yeah yeah like thematically it didn't really make a lot of sense because it's not like it's not like uh T'Pol was Saying that she didn't want to go and she was, uh, didn't care about the Vulcan cat. You know, it's, it's not, it's or not even like from it the, was. The
0: Vulcan point of view, they don't think that she's not self, you know, like uh, not self sufficient, but uh, the the Vulcans don't have a point of view other than we want to punish you for your mistake. So her saving them doesn't really seem like it rectifies the mistake. They're they're not pulling her off the case because they think that she doesn't have the character for it or something, and this proves to them that she's okay. They're doing it because of a vindictiveness that, or at least we're told it's vindictiveness because you don't really get a sense of it from any of the Vulcan characters.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it it is only there, It, it it doesn't tie in thematically at all because it's only there to to injure her so Archer can blow smoke up the ass of the Vulcan guy to get him to back off and let her stay. yep Yeah. Um, you know, I recently discovered what the, where that phrase comes from. It's disgusting. Blow was, smoke up your ass.
0: Uh, did you mention that? I saw that for some reason. What is
1: it? It's uh it was a, an, a it's an antiquated way to check corpse to see if they're really dead. Yes. Yes. Is to give them a tobacco <laughs> enema,
0: <laughs> Why do and, I which know means that?
1: to literally take a tube Smoke up some tobacco and blow the smoke up their ass. Was that on a TV show
0: recently or something? They
1: they just covered it on last podcast on the left. Um, So that's why I know it. Maybe they tweeted about it. That's,
0: that's fine. It's too bizarre, too random that I, that I also know about that or whatever. But yeah, to blow blow smoke up someone's ass is the uh, old-timey way to tell if this guy's dead. It's better than cutting off their head, I suppose, to make sure that you know what's going on.
1: Yeah. You know why they stopped doing it? Because uh, they were, it, they needed to, it, was developed during a time of cholera where there's cholera outbreaks all over the place and cholera is of course shitting yourself to death Yep. and uh th- it was spreading cholera you didn't <laughs> so they stopped doing it because the people doing it were spreading cholera so
0: well at least they they perfected the scientific method there at that point mm-hmm. i know we we've we've come a long way i suppose flocks would have a lot to uh, to say about that whole thing
1: but uh, what I, what I was saying, though, is like it's not her saving that guy is not some grand statement about a, a change in her character standpoint through the episode or anything like that. It's just a, a matter of it's just a reason to get her injured enough that they can, you know, uh, talk that dude into getting her to stay.
0: Yeah. Again, it feels like a kind of Discovery-esque plot point. It's It's a simplified version of what Discovery <clears throat> does, which is to... Change the situation enough where you then open a door to a resolution, but it doesn't feel like you really earned that resolution. It just feels like you you technically arrived at the right spot. And to, to Paul, to, to Paul and the Vulcans are really the big thing here. I just think that overall, if this if this show were to approach uh, or to like were to approach a more serialized storytelling method. I just don't think that they have a, a handle on what the universe is like here to make it really sure. feel like you're satisfied in the way that things are going because it all just feels a little bit like pink by numbers or um, flying by the seat of your pants in a lot of sense. And it's it's mm-hmm. just not – I think all the bones are there. It just it doesn't sit well with me, mostly because I don't feel like they've given us a good idea of where the other species outside of humans are supposed to be because I'm confused about their motivations a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I would also agree with that in the way that they use the Andorians in this episode. Because I, while I thought the introduction of the Andorians was fantastic, I thought that was really great where they, uh, you know, it's all in shadow and then you hear Jeffrey Combs' voice and then you just see the head tilt forward and the light hit the. Yeah, the they, they're I little antennas. Really
0: cool. uh, every time they get a shadow shot of the antennas, they make them wiggle a little bit. But yeah, yeah he's. and I, he's, I think Combs is better as Shran in this episode. He's got a little bit more oh, yeah. personality than he did in the previous yeah. one. But he's just yeah, definitely. It's just a um. I don't. It's like I don't. I don't really get a good sense of anything there. Like I, I understand there's hostilities between these people or whatever, but it's just I. I need something more there, and I just don't feel like it's really delivering on that. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's um. It is. I I thought the way that they worked them back in was a little bit uh ham fisted. It just seemed weird that they were all of a sudden showing up on this planet and I, I don't can't know. sleep. It, can't sleep. Yeah, and all in there the way they show up and then they 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 have a guy on the inside yeah, somehow. <laughs> and then they they help them get the Archer like how did they know Archer? I don't know. It was it was kind of a weird way to get them back into the story. Yeah.
0: And the I mean I'm actually picking up on a lot of discovery writing. Like, I wouldn't say that this sure. show influenced discovery, yeah. but the the whole beat where T'Pol pretends to be the captain for little gain—that yeah, was, yeah, no gain. There's no reason to lie about that. Um, yeah, that it's that just feels like it's a. I mentioned it. It just feels like discovery, in that it's like a twist for no particular reason. It's just like to keep you thinking that something's going to happen, and eventually, it ends up not really meaning anything, which is too bad because. I don't know. It's I I just feel that the show itself feels like it's struggling to have something to say about this conflict. Therefore it's like trying to lash out at all these little minor problems that they can throw into it to see what they're going to amplify the story with, and it doesn't end up working ever. Alright, so let's just get into the strangest part of this episode, I think. It's kinda mm. it's kind of tangential to to Paul's whole thing. Um again, the show getting off on having characters who are not sexually interested in each other play up some kind of sex thing where here Archer and Paul are tied together and to untie her, he basically has to bend her over and eat her ass in front of the camera. Like there's no... There's no... I don't understand any of that stuff that's going on because it's, again, it's like the broken bow decontamination thing where Trip is like rubbing her down the whole time. It's There's no... Mm. Subtext to
1: the scene beyond yeah, I, it's just kind of funny. I was trying to figure out if there was supposed to be some sort of like, is are they is it was that scene supposed to be sexy? I don't think so. Is, I don't think it's supposed, supposed to show supposed them.
0: To be, no, I don't think it's a budding romance or anything like that. No, no,
1: then that, it that's
0: uh, that's so. Some of it's comedy, like she falls on him and smothers her, smothers him with her tits. Basically, it's like you know, an arch is. Yeah, like, oh. but still,
1: that's that's the accent on five minutes of them like wriggling against each yeah. other and yeah. like face face to face switching like, positions breathing. a lot of a lot of positions. Yeah, position switching. and I find can't I get into know. a rhythm. I, I, <laughs> I find that uh, fairly um, what's the word exploitative. Let's put it that way. It is, yeah, it is because it's they're clearly doing it just because Jolene Blaylock is an attractive woman. Yep. Wearing, a, wearing no, an outfit
0: that demands right. something like this happen. Yeah.
1: Right. And if there's no intention there of, of setting up any sort of relationship or romance, like I thought that's why they were doing it in broken bow was, I thought it was supposed to be like, Oh yeah, she's the, you know, Vulcan ice queen and Trip is the happy-go-lucky southern dude boy yeah they're gonna yeah he's yeah. gonna get through to her and blah, blah blah you know they're gonna get to have a thing but they haven't done anything with that so I guess it was just an excuse to rub glitter on each other yeah but it, it was it was <laughs> it was kind of funny intentional or otherwise that scene when they're as they're talking and they're trying to work it out because it reminded me of a, uh, one of the naked gun movies where uh, he's dancing with i think uh priscilla presley and they're having this like really intense conversation but their dance goes from like a sexy waltz into like ridiculousness so they're like <laughs> staring at each other straight in the eyes talking about serious stuff while they're going like yeah like shaking, doing maraca hands and like doing weird chest thrusts and stuff it's, it's yeah <laughs> it was a that's a weird scene it's
0: um it's tremendously strange I, I I think it's I think it's strange all the way from the the shot the cinematography the sh- the like direction choices that they make down to the the lack of any subtext to that is really yeah. strange like that feels like it's a scene built around those characters are tied together for 20 minutes in this episode and they come to terms with their why he wants her to stay and why she wants to stay or whatever and they don't even They don't even really broach the subject at all. Like they kind of talk about it, but not in any way that's illuminating as to what DePaul actually thinks about it.
1: Yeah, I I thought that was I thought that scene ultimately was probably the best scene in the in the show Mm -hmm. just because they do it's another one where they I thought they did a pretty good job of of talking of doing character conversations about stuff. Um
0: I think it's a good character episode, actually. I like the um not to distract you, I like the scenes on Enterprise with everyone except to Paul and Archer on it. I felt like those characters yeah. have never had
1: a chance an extended sequence to talk to each other, and they did a pretty good job. Yeah, no, I thought that stuff was good, was good too. Although, at the, I did I did find it funny at the beginning. Where uh, overall, this episode is is questionable in the way that it handles its female characters at the beginning. When when Archer's like, "Yeah, I guess you know, guess I'll just take Hoshi down there with me," and Trip's like, "Oh, really?" And then Archer's like. No, I'm not taking a girl. <laughs> you can Of course, I'm taking you. Bros before hoes trip. Yeah, no, I'm not taking her. What is gonna first? What is she making <laughs> she, Make <him> a sandwich?
0: <laughs> She's scared. She's scared of going on away missions. Can't take her. It is. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that in Broken Bow. The good old boy attitude. They, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just. It's another opportunity. It's another thing where I just don't feel that the show is really commenting on that. It's not really saying right. anything about right. these things, which is yeah. the, which is the problem with it. Because it's totally fine to have those scenes if you are showing them as some sort of like um, preliminary step in humanity. Like they aren't quite at the twenty fourth century version of humanity, so there is still these kind of like lingering uh, sexism or like misogyny sure. type things. But the show is not really about that. Instead, you just get. It's by far the most exploitative of the Star Trek shows. Like the the, uh, the we've oh, always yeah. complained about how yeah. unsexy Trek is. This is this is the like it's so trying to be sexy, but it's still not sexy whatsoever, and it just comes across as really just her like when she's like grinding her ass against Archer trying to spin around him, and he's like turn and face me. I'm gonna untie you, and also
1: terrible knotsmanship on the hostage takers there yeah, that, really that's their awful. second their second swing was a lot better yeah. where they like essentially <laughs> hogtied them much like you know houdini would be tied up but yeah that that first one was essentially you know the the one wrap around the chest around the, the chair that you could just sh- you know, shimmy yourself out of very quickly
0: <laughs> the the funny thing about the second one is that I don't think the episode does a good, very good job of showing you how long they've been in, held in captivity. And I was thinking it's, it's almost like an SNL sketch where Archer is like over the top reacting to being having been locked up for half an hour. He's like, there's some rat feces on the ground. We can, we can lick them up. Get some, he's like, you're
1: going to need your strength. And she's like, no. I'm going to need to chew through my own wrist to get enough blood to slick these ropes <laughs> up if we're ever going to get them off.
0: And to Paul's like, we can, we can just wait. I'm sure the Enterprise is going to try to rescue us. Let's, let's just hang out. What uh, Did you like this episode or not? um i think i did you sounded like, like you I, came in happy and now you're now you're kind of wavering off. no I, don't I, know I
1: thought it was i i thought it was i thought it was a good episode but i'm just not sure about the use of the andorians and ultimately <laughs> i'm not sure about everything they do in it but it, as far as i thought it was an enjoyable episode i didn't think it was any great shakes or anything It again it seems f- well put together for the most part um this one probably has. If you really want to get nitpicky, it probably has the the biggest script problems as far as um, things being too convenient or or the
0: writing is obvious.
1: Yeah, hamming ha- ham ham fistedly put you know slamming different things into it. Would you um, would
0: you to what, what I start off with? Would you rather the show embrace more serialization, or would you prefer the episodic standalones at this point? Huh. It, this this episode actually made me wonder if Star Trek can ever go back to fully episodic style.
1: Yeah. You know, based on this episode and the other episodes, well, of course that's what we're doing here. Um I would probably say I I'd, I'd be happier to see it go more serialized because I think the episodic ones have been lackluster. I think what what interested me in this one is the furthering of those uh character stories they've been doing with um uh the Vulcans and and now the Andorians I think I thought it was going to be a more uh, half and half episode when it started that it was going to be more like oh we are dealing with this interesting situation uh where we have come down to this planet where the people who are welcoming us are being ruled essentially by the, the the people who are our allies yeah um but they didn't really do that. There was not really. This was a very, for all of the interesting setup and interesting character positioning, it was a very plot heavy show. It was just kind of like an action episode for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it did, there's not really a lot there, other than the action.
0: It also it also resets everything to the status quo, unsatisfyingly. Sure. For, for the serialized yeah. aspects with the Endorians and the Vulcans, it just kind of ends with like, well we'll see you in court and everyone runs off in three different right. directions and it's like well right. okay like didn't did no one really learn anything here and and i think that's a that's what ds9 did much better
1: like you ended it's a like, ds god do you remember do you remember uh have you watched all, through all of um game of thrones do you remember when out of nowhere for no reason other than the fact that Jon Snow had his back to the wall against the White Walkers where his half zombie uncle shows up for 30 seconds? Yes. The,
0: uh, the the guy from the first season that you, you haven't yeah. seen in seven years. Yeah,
1: It kind of reminded me. It kind of felt like that a little bit where it's like, all right, well, you know, I guess they're dealing with the Andorians and here they are. And then they're gone again and nothing has really changed. And there's no. Yeah. The Vulcans didn't learn anything. Yep. Uh the humans, maybe the uh, Vulcans you know, did, the,
0: but it's unclear to me sure. if they did. Why they're why they're doing these things that they're doing. The endurance I mean, didn't learn anything. Anything.
1: You would think you would think that the arc of this episode would be to Paul, more or less choosing a side, I guess. Yeah, or deciding to go against the uh, Vulcan High Council in some even incrementally but that doesn't happen she it only happens after it's been done for her at the end Yeah, like, there's nothing really leading up to that final scene where she has changed her mind i mean she she even says like when she wakes up she's like well i better get my stuff and go or something like does yeah. isn't she or, yeah. to that effect yeah
0: yeah i I'm, I'm not always crazy about two-parters but i feel that I feel that this episode could have been a two part because you, w- the problem with it is if T'Pol makes a change of heart, I think that you really need the Planet Civil War to be a part of that story because there has sure. to be there has to be something beyond just the machinations of these three species going about it because there's nothing there's nothing in those interactions that really let you sink your teeth into what T'Pol is thinking. But I think if the Vulcans are if you play up the plot line where the Vulcans are sort of holding a despotic rule in power, T'Pol has something to fight against there at right. that point. exactly. And, and yeah. if you don't have that, she doesn't really have anything other than she feels sad that she has to leave the Enterprise. But at the same time, she won't admit that she feels sad. So you don't have a story
1: there. Right. And also, that 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 uprising, I think, is doomed to fail because that base had like eight guys, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: maybe maybe fewer they only wanted 40 uh, guns that's, that's apparently all that yeah, they, all they wanted yeah they wanted 40
1: guns go- and they had there were three guys we saw in the um uh in the jail cell itself right the main guy there and he had like two buddies yep and then let's be generous and say there was uh, another the guy who gets jumped when when he comes in was a was a fourth guy and then there were two two other guys who were like standing watch outside that get jumped by trip are you counting the inside the mole the mole is there too no i'm not going to count that okay so you've got six people who on this base uh who uh, who are guarding it when you've got uh archer to paul trip malcolm uh, the the three andorians and then ultimately like five Vulcans <laughs> to, take, to take down six guys. <laughs> they, they said it was a small uprising. They didn't even think it was worth it's, bringing up. It's only six yeah, guys. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Who are, uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a weird thing to even get into because even it's not even used in any interesting way because they they talking about the civil uprising? Even, yeah, yeah, or just the, 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 the politics of that planet in general – because I don't even know. They talk to the the head of the elite group, yep. who doesn't really have anything interesting to say, and you don't get any vibe as to what's going on there. It's all it's based just, on
0: it's all based on Tucker saying they live in a shanty town outside the main city. So you're supposed right, to be like, oh, right. clearly there's some sort of
1: class structure difficulties yeah. here. Yeah. And the one guy who looks like Steven Tyler, there, the lead guy, uh, is like, ah, <laughs> oh, the Vulcans. The nah, screw the Vulcans. Yeah. Yeah. They're keeping us down cuz they give the rich people money, or, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a very it's uh it's it's like it I wouldn't even say it's as complicated as Star Wars, which makes it that much more complicated cuz I don't actually know what's going on. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's surprising how little uh universe building there is there. It it, it all feels very much like it's just barely holding on to anything. It's too bad cuz I would like to As I said, I I think that the bones are there for something interesting with all that Mm. stuff, but it's just not like the Vulcans are too shaky, the Endorians are just angry, and that's about it. Because the, I I, honestly, I think it all comes down to the Vulcans because the Endorian anger is based on the Vulcan portrayal, right? Like everything off this series is stemming from how the Vulcans are portrayed, and I think that because the Vulcans are so bad. The human reaction to them and the Andorian reaction to them has no grounding to it because you can't latch on to why they're upset with the Vulcans in the first place because they're so inconsistently portrayed early on in Enterprise.
1: And also, you've got the Andorians entering into a conflict where they're fighting against another group who also hates the Vulcans. Right. So they they have a guy on the inside with this uprising, but they clearly have no idea why this uprising is happening.
0: Right. Right. Or why they don't align with those people, unless they say that they are aligned with them. But why would they have a mole at that point? You would just uh, expose yourself and be and and say that yeah, we want to support you guys against the Vulcans. We hate them too. Yeah,
1: they could have done some sort of interesting like Cold War type thing and had the Andorians, you know, supplying them with guns or money or something. Yeah, and uh, Enterprise can that way. Like think about that. So if you get the Andorians who are down there and they are actually feeding uh uh materials and and um weapons and stuff to yeah. this uprising and then Archer and and to Paul come down and they get captured uh, but they the endurance don't realize that's who's been captured at first so then they they reveal themselves and then they show up and it's like oh they are they've been captured Now they are our hostages, but I owe this guy. Right. But I don't want to let him go because he's a pretty valuable hostage. You know, so and I've got a Vulcan here. Yeah. So, you know, it it, it gives you stuff to work with instead of just a a fairly stock uh, capture and rescue story.
0: Yeah. It gives uh, Shran's moral conflict a little bit of something there where – I mean, his – his whole thing for rescuing him is just like now my debt is repaid. Like normally, when the debt when the character with the debt repays it, it ties in a little bit better there. <laughs> like it doesn't right. feel like he's he's seeking this guy out in like Forty Second Street or something to be like I got to yes. repay my debt. I got to find this guy. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I've been following you to every restaurant just to see if you choke on your food. <laughs> he so finally left his sunglasses
0: life. on the table. I can chase him down <laughs> and give them to him. Enter- yeah. Enterprise. I, I think that's a good point, and I think that ties into the the, uh, the Vulcan point with Shran, uh, Shran and everything. But Enterprise it's I can't
1: wait to see how long it takes me to remember that his character's name is Shran. Shran, because it's gonna be a while.
0: He's in eight episodes. We're a quarter of the way through his Shraniness appearances in this show. <laughs> um, Enterprise. Another con- interesting thing they continue to do. Enterprise refuses to kill anyone. The monks had like right. three hours of warning to get out of there before the Andorians <laughs> destroyed the city. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it's also the Vulcans have no emotional attachment to the temple or they shouldn't. Like the Andorians doing that should mean nothing to the Vulcans. They'd be like, well, we have all the intellectual knowledge that we need from that place. Fuck them. Like who cares? Like, well, mm. that, that, That's the problem for me really is that like they refuse to build stakes through having the monks get wiped out. Which would maybe add some gravitas to the situation with the Andorians, and also the Vulcans having some sort of emotional attachment to
1: Pajem doesn't ring true to me. That's not what they would care yeah. about. Well, do they? The Vulcans have always been a fairly oddly enough religious people. Though, they're, spir- right?
0: they're some they're, cer- they're certainly spiritual, but I never got the sense that it depends on a physical
1: place for them to be sure. spiritual. Sure, I did. I did think it was a little weird when Archer was telling to Paul what happened when she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, people are fine." So "You're going to cry. About,
0: you're going to cry now." "What about
1: <laughs> What about the relics? Are the relics okay?" Right. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: they're they're fine.
0: What about that one we threw down the hole
1: and we knew that it was in the, the same room. <laughs> Is that thing okay? They just rebuilt that giant face that leads to the basement. Doesn't make any sense.
0: I I sound harsher on this episode than I actually am, but I was just down I saw potential here. I
1: saw something yeah. that Enterprise this, could do. It, it felt to me closer to the second half of Broken Bow mm-hmm. where you had some interesting things going on, but it was kind of, you know, given short shrift in favor of uh, running around and shooting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break.
0: We'll play a quote from the episode and then we'll come back. Read some- also.
1: Go ahead. Sorry. I do find it. Fr- I don't know why I found it so frustrating that they spent 10 minutes like. Long form, showing you Archer and Tapal breaking out of their ropes, and then they immediately get captured again. I, I guess it makes it guess it makes sense, but I just found it like narratively frustrating.
0: I'd, I'd be fine with it if their scene of them untying the knots was uh, was weighty. If there was something to sure. that discussion, I'm fine with them getting caught again because they've had their conversation. But it was just like, right, right. why do you want to leave? Well, it seems like it's a logical thing. Okay untie this knot now and <laughs> then like they they yeah. stall there there because they can't resolve their storyline at that point it, it's just frustrating i yeah I, the last point about it is just i think i think it's too early in the series to play that to paul angle really like i i'm just i'm noticing the television structure where because this character is on your tv show for the past 10 episodes you're supposed to be like the crew cannot the crew cannot do without her at this point, but right. it feels too yeah. early for that really like dramatic Archer feels overly dramatic in being like, no, I can't lose you now. Not now. God damn it. Like I, you, you do that a couple seasons in, you know, it's, it, it just feels too yeah, early
1: or at least like at the end of the season or something. sure, a season but, finale, something like that. Yeah. Th- this does feel that does have, have some discovery in it where uh, you are expected to care about the fate of a character who, no one else seems to really be emoting with. Yeah, they don't <laughs> talk often. to her a lot. She's not. She's not a character yeah. that
0: interacts in a lot of scenes with the other crew members.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's not even really a lot of Archer being conflicted about it because you'd you'd think Archer is. Being freed from, oh, I guess she's, is she being replaced or is she just being removed?
0: No, being removed, I think they severed the whole relationship. I don't want to do it anymore. Archer should be ecstatic about that. Fascinating. The one thing that I thought was fascinating was Phlox's line about, you're not the first Vulcan to serve here, but no other Vulcans have been able to do it for as long as you have. Right. That's a good line. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. I like that stuff.
1: But I can't wait till we see an animated series based on the other Vulcans who served (laughs) with the. (laughs) With the, with the Starfleet before Enterprise.
0: Four Vulcans served in Starfleet. They only lasted two weeks. Let's hear their stories. Short Trek. That's a short
1: Trek. Definitely a short Trek. Right? Uh, honestly, short Trek, I'd be down for that. That would be an interesting short Trek, I think.
0: The, the comedy angle of a Vulcan just being like happy-go-lucky, signing in for his first day. Smash cut to him running off the ship screaming about how chaotic and uh, terrible they are doing laundry Although, or whatever.
1: Knowing, knowing short Treks, it would be... Vulcan shows up for his first day on the starship and finds out that his roommate is H. John Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. Who just like doesn't wash his socks or yep. something. Yep. And it's one of the, it's, it's, it's a base level thing like that instead of doing anything interesting. Unfortunately. Yeah.
0: yeah. Let's take a break. We'll play a quote from the episode. Come back, read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about shadows of Pajem.
1: You should have listened to the Vulcan. He warned you against doing anything foolish. What the hell are you doing here?
0: Looking out for you pink skins. If you had gone anywhere near that shuttle pod, you'd have been killed. They left it in the open for you to find. Alright, everybody, so thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, if you enjoyed the content, you can go to patreon.com slash the file. It's the best way to support us. A couple dollars a month it gets you extra stuff, extra podcasts. We did a commentary video. There is some game stuff going on. There's about 70 extra podcasts you can listen to at this point. It's value well worth it. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters, the highest tier, get a special shout-out. A special thank you goes to Alec DeWolf, Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Brazen, Cardinal Doomsday, Chris Tinsley, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Moss, David Beermore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Eric's Antoine, HH28, Jacob123, JK's Gamer, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Lowry, Kevin Rice, Cal Barrett, Matt Courier 6, Matt Cutler, Matt Houston, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Mike Harris, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert, Russell Elliott, Sam Acosta, Grim Santo, Sean, Stephen Minton, Tariq Latif, Tom Howells, Vault 13 Hero. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the
1: show. You've got to do that like uh, Ace Ventura and go,
0: alright. then.
1: One, do it in one big one big breath. <laughs> I,
0: I have to um, I have to come up with a new system here. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's a time effective thing to do. I'll have to come up with something to reward the captain tier four and take away that maybe at this point. You uh, you guys are obviously appreciated, but it's a I, I'd say give we, me three. But breaths. we want
1: yeah, we want to give you less stuff. Basically. You're appreciated though, but we want to give you less <laughs> it's, stuff.
0: It's, it's tax tax free. Um, that's it. Let's go to patron thoughts. Losing track of what I'm talking about here. Matthew Ross says, "Shadows. Uh, this is the first one. Shadows of pajam. Archer's decisions have an actual cost, straining the Earth Vulcan alliance." Paul being recalled for her part in the Pajama incident seems logical, as well as Earth's ability to stand up to the Vulcans' arrogance, which is more than on display. But the Vulcans are right. Archer's exploratory bunglings are not a good sell for humanity's talents. So Archer heads to Coridan to see what else he could break. We check off our fan service list as Coridan directly ties to TOS's journey to Babel. Okay, that makes sense. The name sounded familiar. I didn't recognize it, though. The insurrection is very generic, even with the appearance of Shran hinting at a wider proxy war with the Vulcans. Archer and T'Pol untying each other as a spandex suit removed from the decon chamber. Why does Enterprise have only 15 phase pistols for a crew of 83? How many other things are they missing? In a rescue party of two? Seriously? The sniping between our hero races is what makes the episode enjoyable to a degree. It's not quite time for Federation assemble. The feel-good ending just needed a freeze take with Phlox and Archer laughing as T'Pol stays aboard. Point extra G says consequences. We get to see that Archer's decisions have ramifications. It would be consequences for him directly if they weren't for. Pl- uh, it would be consequences for him directly if it weren't for plot convenience. They managed to wiggle their way out of them. I like seeing Shran again. His reasons for helping Archer are not only comical, not sleeping well, but also show that despite his antagonistic tendencies, there's a sense of honor in there somewhere. Definitely happy that
1: we'll be seeing more of that guy. A latte yeah, like- I think. Sorry, I was just going to say. I think that was the high point of the episode for me was that it was it wasn't just oh the Andorians are back. It was tied directly into something that Enterprise had done and actions that were taken. Yeah, but um, yeah. Ultimately, it just it you know it, I, it didn't really do much with it.
0: I, I feel I feel that there. I feel that the, at the, when you resolve this episode, I feel that there has to be more tension between the Endorians and the humans. Beyond Tran just being kind of like, and that's it for our debt. Like, I I feel that the the humans the humans need a reason not to side with the Endorians. I think, and yeah, because it's very difficult. You have to you have to balance this trifecta of power, right? And I don't know if this episode is doing that particularly well. The, between the Vulcans, the humans, and the Endorians.
1: Um. Yeah. I don't have. I don't get any sense of who the Andorians are other than Shran. Sure. Like yeah. I don't. I don't know what their species is doing. I don't even really know why they hate the Vulcans, honestly. No, uh, like, you're
0: told that they're angry, but you don't know if they're angry because the Vulcans are dicks to them. Is the problem right? Like right. you don't know if they're just yeah. generally angry people, or if it's that they're all reacting to the Vulcans constantly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're kind of they're kind of flying on uh, on uh, um. Not nostalgia points, but po- ju- the the fact that people know who they are is yeah. kind of carrying them at this point.
0: Yes, if they were the um, they're honestly no more developed than the Suliban, and the Suliban are kind of a joke of this series. The uh, the right. shapeshifter, time traveler guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, remember in season two of Discovery where they had that whole multi-episode plot thing about downloading the entire known knowledge of the universe? Yeah, your Google planet? Drive
0: from that that orb.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I just thought of that. And I think it was because they did that and then just kind of forgot about it a couple episodes later.
0: What? The, well, the orb was – I'm not going to try to remember discoveries. The orb was important there, wasn't it? Like it was – I can't remember.
1: I can't remember. It, well, it was uh, – Discovery had all the knowledge of human history and then – the control was trying to get it from Discovery. Right, because they know.
0: picked it up from the orb, Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's relatable stakes is what I'm saying. A latte librarian says, Shadows of Pajama, are they trying
0: to give to Paul and Archer sexual tension? It feels wrong. The boobs to the face bit made me cringe. And the objection to the Vulcan sending an extraction team seemed hypocritical when they've been thinking about doing just that for a scene or two before. Something about the life debt motivation didn't work for me, even though Combs did a good job. Was such a debt mentioned in the first episode he was in? He does. His final line is, um, "I I owe you a debt" or something like. I mean, your debt or something mm, is.
1: Sure that's sort of right. Thing. Yeah. You know, I I was thinking about it about the uh, uh, the Tapal thing, and this really is the most exploitative female wise series so far. And I mean, and I have I seen Voyager. Thinking, I was, I haven't seen Voyager. That's true. Yeah. Well, Voyager, uh, okay, sure. Jerry Ryan shows up eventually. But th- this, I don't know if they go to this length. But, it, like, even thinking back, I was thinking, well, they do the the green skin alien thing on, on TOS. But even, th- but there. That's a culture is the thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Whether or not that's appropriate is is whatever or has aged well is whatever. But that is, that is a culture and a uh, level of exoticness that yeah. they're going for. Yeah, yeah. This is taking the main female cast member on your show and literally rubbing the captain's face in her tits. Yeah. <laughs> and and like playing it off as a joke because she has no emotions, so she's not gonna say it. You know, it's, right. she, she it's can't really be, weird. She
0: can't be sexually assaulted or harassed. This is not sexual assault or anything, but it's like it's the they're they're, it's, they're, they're taking advantage it's of not, her coldness.
1: Right. It's not it's not sexual assault by the characters, but it's like arguably sexual assault by the writers. Yeah, the writers. If yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, because it's it's not a it's not a character thing that's happening. It is very much the hand of the writers. They found a the character that they the could just
0: slap the ass of whenever they want, and she's not going to complain about it. Is basically the yeah, thing that. and
1: it's really weird and it kind of creepy. And hopefully they don't keep doing that because it would be. Uh, It would be unfortunate. No,
0: Blaylock's better than that too. It's not like it's like it's not like she's some actress who just came in because they're like your breasts are enormous and you got a great ass in this cat suit. Like
1: Blaylock is actually a a solid actress on this series. So yeah, I think she's been doing really well. Yeah, which is why I think it's it's that much more you know disturbing when they do this stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I Uh, agree with Latte Librarian. Uh, I think that was a good summation of how I feel. Just feels wrong. Cringy. The yeah. debt, life debt motivation isn't good enough for me. Combs is good, but he's still working with not much. I just feel like his performance is better here as Shran. Uh, Captain Brazen says, "How much lo- how much longer until we're at the fireworks factory?" Honestly, there's not much here except a bunch of small world building and filler that leads to a pretty average action set piece. Not even the inclusion of Jeffrey Combs as Shran could save this story in the last fifteen minutes. I did enjoy seeing him return, if it was albeit a little bit con- albeit a little contrived. Just take an ambient and go to sleep, Sharin. <laughs> the, the hint of a proxy war between Andorians and Vulcans via the Coridian uh, Coridans is interesting, but nothing more than the original mention. The seeds of the federation are being planted as enterprise 's mission is slowly challenging the status quo for the Vulcans, Andorians, etc. as humans enter the galactic scene. i see I like that archer 's actions have consequences with DePaul being recalled, but it actually would feel more genuine if she was actually removed for a time and then returned somehow. Oh well, got to hit that reset button, I guess two sleepless Andorians out of five. Stephan Minton says, I do not care for this episode so far. Enterprise has managed to give us some fine interaction between Archer and Tapal, but here the scenes between the two of them just feel so tedious. And the less said about that game of prison twister, the better. Although I did laugh a bit when T'Pol fell on Archer's face. That kind of humor still works with me, I'm happy to report. I also think that they <laughs> messed
1: up the through line.
0: Archer is constantly urging... So, to, it,
1: so he, he, the high point of humor for him is like the, the I'd buy that for a dollar guy from Robocop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's going to appreciate all the, uh, the pratfall comedy our visual YouTube podcast is now going to be able to bring to him i'll slip on a banana oh, peel if that ups our ratings yeah. here.
1: you should see i if you're not watching it you should see all the different hats i try <laughs> on as we do this now uh that pati- puppet show puppet show puppet show i know that
0: particular problem is then solved by DePaul catching a bullet for a superior officer who saves her career out of reluctant gratitude while she is unconscious talk about agency On the level of galactic politics, the episode could have been interesting, but they needed to outline the conflict in more detail for that to work. Too much is left unclear. Shran is on Coridan doing what exactly? Are the kidnappers legitimate freedom fighters or just a bunch of thugs? Are the Vulcans propping up an authoritarian regime because it suits their security interests? It's a muddy mess, and by the end of the episode, none of these issues are resolved and conveniently not even mentioned again. Oh well, they can't all be good. Two bowls of gruel out of five.
1: Yeah, I'm really starting to sour on this explicitly because of how they treat to Paul. You're, you're still on to it,
0: Paul, I see. Yeah,
1: yeah no, because I mean, he he mentioned it there at the end. Like the the main conflict of the episode is to Paul leaving the ship, and that gets resolved without her having a say, really. Yeah, she has. She's it, had it, surprisingly
0: little impact on the series. She's yeah. She um, she's only been prominent as Archer's foil a couple of times, really. And it's for if the Vulcan human thing is the setup of the series, T'Pol needs to be the primary, the one B character. To Archer's one right. A, and she's not. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in this episode, she's just she's just there to be pushed around, essentially, and she's just a piece on the board being pushed around. She has zero agency whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I mean. Isn't there a thing here, like, I I know I was cracking uh, wise about Archer being there for half an hour and being like, I need to eat whatever food I can find to to, to survive. But if you extended the timeline, right, and Archer starts to crack under the imprisonment a little bit, right? But DePaul Mm -hmm. is still using her mindfulness techniques and is still, like, surviving through this, okay? And there's a little bit of a there's a moment there where you can show a kind of closeness between the two because in the moment of archer's weakness to paul is still kind of a rock that's there for him mm-hmm. and it kind mm-hmm. of opens his mind to the vulcans a little bit you can see goodness in the vulcans in that way sure sure and they just they, they don't care about that yeah you know yeah uh let's see neil brennan shadows of Pajam. hot damn from the peachy shot of Archer's butt early on to Paul's breasts being used as a punchline, not to mention getting to enjoy Scott Bakula slurping cold porridge while tied up like the dirty boy that he is. This must be the horniest <laughs> episode yet. What, the- <laughs> what this show lacks in interesting characters and fresh storytelling. It makes up for it with the kind of sexuality that drives 11-year-old nerds wild. Sadly, I'm I mean, 35, so they just left me praying that my wife wouldn't walk in while I was watching this. Three- I mean, every
1: line... Jeff Chrome's delivers. He delivers it with like the smoldering intensity of someone who's just about to tear their shirt, the <laughs> bodice off of the woman in front of them. And <laughs> well, he's directing at Archer's. So he's like, "I had to, I haven't been able to sleep. <laughs> I, I, I can't be in your debt. I need to put my hands on you."
0: Uh he was a uh, he was slurping up that cord. He's just sticking. He's like, ah, <laughs> uh, uh, he getting of that porch. It's just the. Uh, the desperation of eating it. Three bacula buckshots out of five from Neil. Uh, Kyle says, he's reverted his name back. Thank goodness this episode is in high definition because the last 15 minutes of Dark Shadows would make for poor SD viewing. I think this episode gets very close to being great, but ultimately falls short, although it's still pretty good. I wish it had expanded the political exploration of the Quadrant rather than just pick up the threads of the previous installments and tie them in a nice little status quo bow at the end. The Corridan and their shipyard sound not only cool but of galactic importance, and yet they're ultimately just a backdrop to a different conflict. I'm always happy when actor Gregory Itzen shows up in Star Trek and he's good at playing a dickish Vulcan, or a Vulcans, if you will. I'm guessing Clay gives this one a high score just because of the mention of his hero, Harry Houdini. For me, it's a 4 out of 5.
1: 4 out of 5, wow. Powerful. Wow.
0: Benjamin Espinoza says this was a yummy Star Trek stew. Commando Vulcans, Andorians, the new Barley Aliens, and Cordons, and even a Starfleet scene on Earth. I love the carryover consequences from the Andorian incident. Shran becomes instantly likable in this episode. The archer to Paul overly long, sexy bondage scene was over the top. I did like the food scene where Archer is eating his food like a dog, face first, and Paul uses her fingers, <laughs> highlighting the differences and similarities in all beings put in a desperate situation. I really like Trip as a captain. Him and Archer are very G.W. Bush-like, and even the Vulcan commander stating we don't negotiate with terrorist line was right from the headlines at the time. This one is a four I out of was- five for
1: me. Uh, I was just going to say, I was thinking that when he said that too. I was like, knowing when this was produced, I'm seeing a um, lot of
0: uh, lot of contemporary <clears throat> references yeah.
1: in this, which is you know, which is good. It's, I mean, it, Star Trek is the show to do that. Yep. in. So
0: it adds spice to it. It's um, it, it's a little bit. They, they haven't quite sorted out what they're feeling uh, here, but we'll get into that more. I think as these stories sort of cohese or cohere around things
1: you know i i'll be interested to see if 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 there is any 2020 vision uh on how they handle that stuff if whether or not it 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 is a little bit too um corny gung-ho yeah yeah corny and and gung-ho then now than it would be at the time um Cause it reminds me of, I don't know if you ever read the uh, comic book series, the ultimates. Mm-hmm. It was uh Marvel comics started this new universe where they basically took all their, their whole universe and started it over from scratch. And so you had ultimate X-Men, ultimate Spider-Man and uh <clears throat> the Avengers version was called the ultimates. And it was, uh, it's where the idea of, of uh, Sam Jackson's Nick Fury comes from there. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that's in the movie come movies comes from the ultimates. But ironically, at the time when you read the ultimates it 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 is very much a post 9 11 comic book series and so it it's very uh gung-ho america like captain america is is just like uh he works he works for george w bush yeah he's happy to do it uh he's kind of a bit of a fascist yeah um and it, it, but at the time it, it didn't Play that way like there's even a scene where uh where he's fighting this villain on top of a train it's a very famous scene um and the guy says uh, why don't you just give up and then he said captain america responds with give up and then you turn the page and you get a splash page that's just just a shot of his face pointing <laughs> to the a on his mask saying do you think this a stands for france these colors don't Which run is, yeah yeah And, um, and reading it now. Did he really say France? He says he did. did Yes. He says, do you think this A stands for France? Yeah. And I, I went back and I read through it not too long ago, maybe about a year ago. And having that distance from when it came out, I was, I was like, Oh my God. I can't believe they put this out. It is so scathingly, uh, indicting America and the American war machine. And, and, and it was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was it's a very Wait, very political comic. It's it's satirical, yeah. Oh. But it is it's very much it, I think the satire of it was lost at the time. Sure. So looking back and reading it again, you you're seeing all the stuff that was and it it was written by a guy named Mark Millar who's uh Scottish. So he's not American, but he's com- he's commenting on all of this stuff that America's doing yep. post 9/11. Yeah. And he's doing it in such a way where it seems like it's pro-America. But then given the time, you look back and you go, oh, this guy was seriously taking the piss out of everything this country was doing. And Mm. it's actually pretty impressive that he got away with it.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because DS9 obviously got to it early. They did their 9-11 episode five years early. Uh, Enterprise is going to be two years after 9-11 before they comment on it. So Mm. you'll see when that comes up. David Beardmore says, Shadows of Pajem." nice to see a follow-up to the Andorian incident. This episode is a part of a trend and enterprise to show consequences of past episodes, as opposed to having everything having everything reset each week. Outside of that, it's not my favorite episode, but it's always a pleasure to see Jeffrey Combs do his thing. And then that's, that's it. Yep, that's it. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Shadows of Pajem. Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of
1: uh, one to five? <sighs> I don't know. This is a tough one because I feel like first first reaction is a three, mm-hmm. but after talking through it, I feel like it's a two. But I f- also feel like a two is is being too mean to it. Yeah, uh, two is. What was the last one? What was the last yeah, one that we did? We just did the, uh, the snoring Klingons. Friendship. Oh, sleeping dogs. Yeah, sleeping dogs. Yeah, sleeping dogs is definitely a two. Is this a two? Yeah, I uh, I don't I can't I don't think it is. I I can't. I, I don't think I could comfortably give it a two. It's a low three. It's a low. It's,
0: a, three it's three. a low three for me. I think as well. Yeah, it's um, it's a low. It's it's a low three mostly because I I like the potential of this one. Yeah, I see exactly. what Enterprise yeah. could do, and it's, it doesn't want to do it, and it's very frustrating. Um, and honestly, like the we can just end it with the, the thing about I um, I seriously wonder if Star Trek can do a episodic standalone at this point without like Mm -hmm. i think that the best model for star trek going forward from this point would be a hybrid serial episodic model where there's something going on in the background but they still have room to take a breather every once in a while so it's not the it's not the relentlessness of discovery and picard but it's not let's just repeat the same episodic stories that star trek has done 50 times before because Right. I'm starting to feel the repetition of those Star Trek stories. Like the, you're like, "Oh, this is exactly like that TNG and DS9 episode. Oh, this is exactly like that Voyager episode." They're just running out of space to do that.
1: Yeah, it's um I don't think it's impossible um Strange New Worlds is going to
0: be episodic.
1: Yeah, I think as I've said previously, claim, I think it's sorry. all it's all about uh how you go about it. And if you if you do sort of the for lack of a better term the Highlander model which is you take an idea and then you twist everything you can get out of that idea then i think you're you're it's it's you can tell good stories that way but i think that depends on a the-
0: serialized backdrop though you know like you have to you have yeah. to you have to like severely limit your universe i think in order for that to work like you if they just came out with a, a new star trek show that is basically strange new worlds it's a starship going around I think that you're you're not giving. You have to do the DS9 thing. You have to set it on a space station. You know, not not exactly set it on a space station again, but you have to do something as drastic as like it's kind of taken for granted. But it was a pretty ballsy thing to set DS9 on a space station. Like that's a very Mm. different setting for the show from what we had been expecting. And I think that Strange New Worlds is not set up that way. But you would have to do something that really really changes the kind of stories that you could possibly tell in that new Star Trek yeah, series. Yeah, that's
1: fair. Yeah, and I I think as we've talked about before, I think Enterprise was there um conceptually to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because you have you the the timeline, the time period it's set in allows you to essentially show what the what brings uh humans from humans into the Federation, yep. what what turns them into uh modern as as in modern as in we as contemporary, yeah contemporary, contemporary. there we go, yeah,'t words <laughs> it's late, um contemporary humans into Starfleet and into the what becomes the federation and that outlook that gives you a lot of leeway to do that stuff, where it's like, okay, this episode is about Archer learning this lesson which helps this way or you see that his actions start to to have consequences and stuff i think you definitely can do that strange new worlds i don't know unless they're going to come up with some sort of it's I, it's probably going to be something like uh uh christopher pike now ultimately knowing his own fate needs <laughs> to make every day count and some <laughs> bullshit like that um, pay it forward pay it forward pike yeah. before you before you pass on yeah, yeah something like that he has to he has to teach the galaxy that he's a man of faith instead of science you know you,
0: you <laughs> remind me though i think that the the enterprise characters are probably my least favorite cast of characters so far we're still early there's time for things to change mm-hmm. but they don't they don't really do anything they they but they weren't they didn't take advantage of the situation there there needs right. to be yeah. like there needs to be sort of like race angles there needs to be some sort of like home yeah. like there needs to be baser human Bad ideas
1: mixed into this crew. I, I hate. I hate to to generalize based on his his accent, but make make trip into an asshole. Yeah, like a kind yeah. of a racist guy. Yep. or something, or like a give him more of a, a, a gross edge, racist uh, towards you, the. You Vulcans. don't have to make him. You know, you can make it. Ra- yeah, you can make it explicitly sure. racist towards the Vulcans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to be an awful person, but you know, awful persons, awful people tend to are I, sorry not. Awful people don't uh, have a uh, monopoly on awful right. th- feelings and stuff. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Um, and like Malcolm, like I said, Malcolm should be more weapon hungry. Hawkish.
0: He should be Hawkish. a. He yeah. should be a neoconservative hawk. I it would make sense. I yeah. can't
1: think of any of the small words to just <laughs> – so He should be really in, have the love. He like um, bang exp- bang. Exp- he ex- shoot shoot guns. He, yeah. He like he like bang bang. <laughs> he shoot at bad guy. No, that's, uh, like, uh, that's the yeah. problem. That's the problem.
0: The characters don't have, the, they don't have any basis because they're set up as already being pure Starfleet characters, and the setup of this show is
1: not supposed to be that way. They're not supposed exactly. to be that way. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Archer, perfect, perfect opportunity to have someone who is, you know, as we've said a million times, the the proto version of the Starfleet captain. You get to see what turns him into someone like Kirk or someone like Picard. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, I, and I'm not convinced they're not doing that because they, that you are getting to see bits, but I, I don't think they're leaning in, in leaning into it as hard as they could be.
0: Agreed. All right. So we'll both give it a three. That's it for shadows of Pajem. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske file, patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support us, otherwise all the links are down below the Penske slash links. You can go there. I think that's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? You just had a Rotten Horror
1: come out. Yeah, we just uh, had uh, Ty West's House of the Devil, number 143, on the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list that we've been covering. I'd seen that Uh, one before.
0: I didn't recognize it until you started talking about it, but I've I've seen that one. Did you have any thoughts on it? I remembered liking it, but I remember thinking uh, that it was all atmosphere, by the end yes. of it like it yeah. was like it was it was spooky and scary while i was watching it but i don't yeah. i don't remember anything really i
1: i think ultimately with that movie it's uh, at the time that it came out it was a lot more um revelatory than it is now yeah because it, it it we we talk about this on the show a bit it was 2010 2009 and the uh, m- the nostalgia mining of, st- of the 80s style hadn't quite started yet, yeah. at least not to the point that it is now. and they were kind of one of the first movies to really do that. And so I think at the time it seemed like it was a a, a much a much more impressive style move than it would be now. yeah um, but yeah, so we talk about that. Uh, actually, badass comes back next week. yep. So we'll be back with uh, season three uh, as the Amazon prime listing flies. Of uh, Batman the animated series with me and Sean Murphy, so this should be fun. How's um? There's only three seasons of Batman the animated series, isn't there? There is three official series, but uh, sorry, three official seasons. But the way that they're split up on DVD and other home video, it's broken into four. Oh, because the first official season five is five million six, episodes, sixty-five yeah. episodes. Yeah. And yeah. We actually just in our recording. We just straddled the the line between the end of the first season and the beginning of the second season. Oh, so uh, it was I believe sixty five for the first se- season. Then it was like fifteen or thirteen or fifteen or something like that for season two. You guys already did sixty
0: five episodes of Batman.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that went by quick. Uh, I know. Yeah, well, not not yeah. But <laughs> if you it, think about if you think about when we started recording, it was like three years it, ago. It, like it was it was pre it was pre Trump. <laughs> you guys are yeah, talking. Well, yeah, that's right. are <laughs> yeah, talking about point. the election. yeah we we started we started recording at least a year before the election yeah maybe maybe
0: that's not that i'm just surprised you've done that many i guess over the course of time that's not that many but i'm so surprised that you actually did 65 episodes of batman that's interesting
1: yeah it i mean it goes a little i mean we could think about doing that for this show if you want because on badass we do two episodes of batman every episode of the podcast i know
0: that would kill me i'd be i'd be so (laughs) confused (laughs) i would be so confused
1: uh, no, And if you listen to Badass, you can probably hear it confusing us as well, because I'm sure there are episodes where we talk about the same thing we've talked about 25 episodes ago.
0: <laughs> it's funny in this episode called Man Bad that Man Bad isn't actually in it. You're like, yeah, that is, yeah, that is dude. Funny.
1: I, did, I did something similar to that where, where we were uh, talking about what was coming up next, and it was a Mad Hatter episode. And I couldn't remember another Mad Hatter episode. So I said, I think this is the first time we've seen Mad Hatter. And Sean was like, no, we've seen him at least twice. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: it's a different time, different place. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and we'll be back with uh, – it's not even worth looking at, I think, because I don't – well, I'll, I'll hit the button. No, it's ShuttlePod 1, right? It must be ShuttlePod 1. We're going to be covering Braveheart in the next episode. So. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. I think it's ShuttlePod 1. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.